Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome to episode two of the Web3 Show, your one-stop shop for unfiltered conversations and breakdowns of all things crypto, NFTs, and Web 3.0. My name is Luca, the front man of the Web3 Show, and I'm joined once again by my crypto entourage, aka the wannabe wizards of Web3, Galactic Q, ready to dish out some more red pills this evening. And your guy in TradFi, fresh <laughs> from his meeting with the board of ExxonMobil. Um, <laughs> just, uh, so just a quick note before we do dive into uh, the really cool show we've got. If you do want to ask any questions, we'll only be taking any callers at the end. Um, if you want to just come on towards the end of the show, uh, click the phone call button and we will uh, we'll take you up. Um, but yeah, we've got a really cool uh, show tonight. Uh, lots of topical things happening in Web3, as always. Um, we're going to dig our teeth into it. Uh, but first, we've got a very brief market update from our charts expert, Galactic Q. Um, and if you've been following the market last week, uh, you would have seen that basically everything was in the red uh, and bleeding through the end of the week. Even tonight, uh, Bitcoin's just had a $3,000 pullback uh, tonight. But that all happened after Bitcoin and ETH and most of the other major coins smashed their all-time highs, which we like to think uh, we we caused uh, at the you know after our first episode last week Monday. Um, but <laughs> but uh, I'd, I'd like to I'd like to point everyone to one asset actually uh, that mooned last week and basically outpaced everything else in the market. And it's actually still climbing as we speak. Um, by the way, this is not investment advice. Uh, only your guy in TradFi is allowed to give investment advice. But if you had invested in the Web3 show last week in our token, in our fake token that doesn't exist, you would have nearly 100x'd your money because between our plays on the episode one and the new subs we got from the when I created the show last week, we nearly had 100 collectively. So you would have 100x'd your money straight up to the right um, okay, wait, but you know what? Now that I've plugged the show, um, <laughs> now that I've plugged us in the show, um, we'll we'll get into the market update. Um, so Galactic Q, uh, let's dive into what happened with the markets. Do you just want to recap the last week of price action and what was happening? Um, how did we get here today? What happened last week in the markets? Yeah, 100%. Well, besides the 100x we all got last week, um, let's <laughs> let's touch base. So, you know, obviously we did have a bit of a red week last week, which was kind of expected after pushing the all-time highs. You know, dominance for, well, Bitcoin dominance got a little bit of a spike again, which was great. Um, but ultimately, we maintaining a range-bound motion, sort of a steady range-bound motion on the dominance chart. Um, I personally love to look at dominance indicators. It tells me you know, where the volume is, where the, where, the, where the most trading volume is and what, you know, people's attention is, is on. And, you know, ETH dominance currently is looking very strong as well. So with the sort of sideways range bound Bitcoin dominance and a strong ETH dominance looking to break out, um, I wouldn't be surprised if Bitcoin continues its sideways action, um, you know, as we've seen over the past two, three days now. Um, one thing that I do want to point out is, you know, leverage. Um, so the overall average leverage ratio across all the centralized exchanges is at an all-time high still, or just below all-time high. So even with a little bit of a shakeout last week that we had, 
yeah, it didn't necessarily reset the leverage in the markets. Um, and what we did notice is that the liquidations last week were mostly small-handed leverage players rather than the bigger whales. So I do think that there is a bigger shakeout coming into the markets. Um, you know, we are starting to see retail push into the market again. A very loose indicator that we can look at of this is if you just look at the bigger influences in the space, just check the views on their videos. You would notice that from three months ago to today, there's been almost a two to three X in the amount of views that they're getting on their videos about altcoin techs and bullish videos. You know, this is, this is kind of an indicator, a very loose one of, you know, more the retail sort of normies or, or the, the new players in the market coming into the space looking for a quick buck. Um, so what we can see here is people are opening longs, retail is coming back in. Um, I think that we're going to see one more push out of Bitcoin to push to that mid 70K range. So 75K, maybe even work up to 80. But then I do think there's a bigger correction coming. So my kind of short term prediction over the next few weeks would be push to 75, pull back to 50 to 56K zone, consolidate for a bit while Ethan altcoins have a massive move um, before we get Bitcoin pushing up and showing a bit of strength again. Um, so... Yeah, that's that's basically my sort of vision of the price action coming. And that sounds great. And basically looking at the next week, given all of that, um, would you say sitting in the market where we are right now, would you say you're long or short? Uh, would you be a buyer or are you sort of prepping your stop losses or, or what, are you, what are you thinking in terms of that? So always a buyer. Uh, Long-term crypto is, is beautiful. Um, so I'm always dollar cost averaging in. Uh, I think we're going to have a bullish week ahead. We are seeing a bit of volatility in the Bitcoin price action, and we've seen a little bit of a pullback in the market now. But I like to look at these as Black Friday specials. So we just buy the dip. Um, so I'm a buyer at the moment, but I am running tight stop losses in all my trades. If Bitcoin loses the current uh, macro trend supports on the daily, then we are going to see those low 50K regions again before we push up to continue the bull run uh, for quarter four. So yeah, short term long. Medium term, short, um, macro, long, always. Perfect. Well, I mean, as as we all know in crypto land, any any dip in price is always uh, cherished and beloved by by all uh, crypto fiends and DJs out there. Um, so yeah, that that's looking good. Thanks to you. Um, I see we do have a, a few more people who've come in live. Um, if you do have any questions for us or want to make some comments. Uh, we'll be taking any callers who do want to come up at the end of the show. Uh, if you just want to click the caller button um, just towards the end of the show uh, after our second topic. But yeah, that's great. So that's our market update um, from our expert uh, of the charts. Uh, Mr. Q, thanks so much. We will jump into our first topic of the day. Uh, there was some controversy with Discord. And if, you, if you're familiar with crypto at all, you'll know that Discord is basically the the hangout space of of every DAO nft project uh people you know look uh people in crypto projects all hang out on discord all meet on discord a lot of the facilitation and collaboration happens there and basically there was a bit of controversy with the ceo last week coming out on twitter um teasing a potential crypto integration but then getting absolutely pummeled by the larger Discord community. Um, and this was in a reply to uh, uh, an article that was written by Packy McCormack for Not Boring, doing basically a deep dive on uh, on Discord, the, the business itself. 
which had a, a ton of Web3 mentions. But uh, Galactic Q, do you want to lead us through what actually happened and um, yeah, what, what was the actual teaser that uh, Jason Citron, the CEO, threw out uh, last week on Twitter? Yeah, so I mean, it was quite a it was quite an exciting tweet. Um, I won't lie when 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 Jason dropped uh, the hint of you know an internal discussion going on behind the scenes at Discord about them integrating you know MetaMask and you know Ethereum and crypto into um, Discord. Uh, you know, me and a lot of people in the Discord space, we kind of view Discord as our office. You know, most most guys that are trading crypto every day, most guys that are flipping NFTs or investing in NFT long term projects, you know, Discord is your is your home. Um, so to have this possibility of you know a Web three element coming to the Discord user base with integrating you know cryptocurrencies and MetaMask, it's it's pretty exciting. Um, and ultimately, this is what you know Jason Citron, uh, the founder of Discord, announced. Um, but you know, <laughs> over the next two days from that announcement, there was huge, huge backlash, as you mentioned, um, you know, from the community. But what a lot of people don't realize, it wasn't the larger Discord community. It was actually a very large gaming community um, from Discord. So obviously, Discord is used mainly by cryptocurrency projects, but most mostly by gaming um, communities. And there's actually a large movement of gamers that are against the adoption of NFTs into the gaming world. And when they saw that Discord, their beloved platform, was now going to be integrating cryptocurrency and NFTs, these anti, let's not call them anti-vaxxers, but anti-cryptos, these guys just went completely ape on, on Twitter and, and the backlash was crazy. And ultimately it led to you know, Jason Citron withdrawing what he said and ensuring the community that, you know, this was not in the pipeline and it was just an internal idea, but nothing set in stone. Which, you know, this this is kind of interesting to me. I mean, you know, if you look at what some of the biggest servers in Discord is, Axie Infinity, you know, being one of the biggest, like, metaverse plates on gaming platforms, they've actually got one of the biggest servers in the Discord space. Um, you know, they're almost at about 800,000 Discord users on their server. You know, yet you're getting backlash from small gaming communities and ultimately, you know, the idea is getting put to bed. So, you know, in my mind, I think Discord has a lot of Web2 issues. Um, so the one thing I can say is that the first project that's going to become the Web3 version of Discord with full cryptocurrency integration, where your identity is going to be linked to your address, um, you know, that's that's a project. I will be putting my money behind, not financial advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's it's actually quite interesting, though, and, and maybe just a bit of pushback on you. Like, it's interesting to frame it, frame this whole thing, especially the backlash, if you look at Discord's wider user base. And if I actually, I, I did read an article also on The Generalist, which I think was the same thing um, as Packy McCormack, uh, the same article that, that he used on his platform, where they actually broke down a bunch of uh, Discord's user demographics. And what you actually saw was that crypto is still, even though, yes, you're right about the Axie Infinity thing, and that's, a, that's in gaming, so maybe they are lucky in that sense that, uh, you know, that, that's a big representative of the crypto community. However, crypto servers are very much in the long tail of the, the the when you look at the number of servers on Discord, gaming I mean is is about 
three to five times the amount of crypto servers. And the at least the way I see it, the, it was framed in the way that the population or the user base of Discord is is highly non-crypto, which sort of then makes sense made sense to me in the, in the pushback because you do you you would get a lot of you know uh, you know quotation mark normies who don't understand what's happening, and you saw a lot of cognitive dissonance, dissonance saying, oh, you know, this NFT thing is is a big scam and i don't want my platform to get involved with with uh, scams and grifts and all of this all of this crazy stuff so i guess in that sense it was it was sort of expected given that a crypto does make a small but ever growing at an extremely fast pace and the other thing was that the the people who were mobbing jason citron on twitter they started saying you know, cancel your Nitro subscription, which is uh, the only way Discord basically earns revenue. It's their monthly subscription uh, where you get added features to your Discord. And when you look at, I actually saw an interesting stat was that uh, Discord's average revenue per user is the lowest out of all of the big social media companies coming in at about $1.30 per user versus Facebook or Meta now, which is about $30 per user. Snap is about $10 per user. So, Mr. Tradfire, um, could you possibly frame, like, given all of that, could you frame, like, the potential benefits of, like, of Web3, you know, if Discord were to potentially embrace Web3 and to take on this integration with a wallet and bring on more crypto and Web3 native features, how could it actually benefit the platform? Because I found it super interesting that they got slammed on Twitter by their community, but it's probably the biggest Web2 platform that stands to benefit from Web3. How do you see that? Yeah, I mean, I haven't looked too closely at the actual controversy, um, to be honest. I mean, I don't, I'm not sure if you guys have looked at the actual numbers of, you know, Discord's user base versus the, the outraged minority um, on this one. But maybe more broadly, I mean, I thought that uh, Packy McCormack's uh, piece was interesting in the sense that he said, you know, Discord has a call option on Web3. And, you know, John T, um, you mentioned, you know, it's prolific, uh, used prolifically um, by, by uh, the crypto community more in general. And, and I think that comes back to the difference between Web2 and Web3. I think in Web2, the values accruing uh, to the platform, right? In Web3, the values are accruing to the user. So I think if we look at the context of Discord as a gaming um, hub or social network for gaming, effectively, I mean, time as a commodity, you know, you're sacrificing that in traditional gaming uh, and you're getting very little in return. Effectively, maybe some social credentials, uh, but these are generally not transferable. So, I mean, if we look at the success of Axie Infinity, I think... GameFi, which, which is kind of a derivative of, of DeFi or decentralized finance, as seems, seems inevitable, to be, to be honest. So I think, I think Discord's integration with Web3 or, or their ability to use that call option is, is going to come to fruition uh, in the future. Yeah, I... And, I, and, what, do you, and what, do you, what do you guys think Discord needs to do now in the wake of this sort of... PR crisis, and I mean, we even saw, you know, as, as Galactic Q said, um, Jason Citron walked back his comments three days later and said, "Oh, we sort of put his hands up and said, 
oh, yeah. we've actually got no plans to do this right now. This idea came from a recent hack week, which I mean, I'm a, I'm a bit, uh, I saw that and I yeah. thought maybe probably not. Like if the, if the CEO is teasing this thing, I mean, it's highly unlikely that this was just like a, some nascent idea that got thro- put in front of his desk, especially if he was teasing it about a, a an article that got written. I mean, look at Twitter. I mean, look at Twitter. They've integrated the Strike API. I mean, just looking at the value of integrating P2P payments on Discord, I mean, it seems like a done deal, right? And I, I mean, I think it's worthwhile just hopping on the Axie Infinity point uh, one more time. I mean, you have the concept of value accruing to the users of a network. I mean, Axie Infinity went beyond that in the sense that you, you not only benefited economically, but down the line, um, you could effectively be earning money without even playing by renting out your, your monster. So, so you could turn a game into a passive income machine. And I mean, it's, it's, it's used widely in, in the third world. So I think just that explosion demonstrates that Web3 and gaming uh, works. And I think we, we already, I mean, the link between Discord and gaming is clear. So I think as a second order effect, um, it, it seems inevitable. Yeah, just just to just to build on that, um, I agree with I agree with our, our guy in Tradify there. Um, you know, but but I did some I did some digging into into who the who the general users were that were giving you know Jason Citron backlash with their quote tweets and things like that. And what I realized it was a lot of like I read a few articles about it as well, and I, like I did some deep diving into into who these communities are, and it's a lot of gaming communities that are hardcore gamers that actually reject the idea of GameFi and reject the idea of NFTs because they believe that it creates unhealthy competition within the gaming arena. So it's, it's almost like an extreme, extreme sector of gaming um, where, you know, for example, these, these guys, they, they, they hate the idea of Axie Infinity, but what they don't realize is that, you know, Axie Infinity has supported various third world countries throughout COVID. You know, um, so so I do agree that GameFi is the way forward. And I think ultimately Discord will shift to the integration and shift to Web3. Um, otherwise, they will probably, you know, largely by the crypto community at least, be replaced by a Web3 version of Discord. Um, but I do see, you know, them integrating some form of, of cryptocurrency bridge. Um, and I mean, at the end of the day, just because a platform integrates something doesn't mean that you have to use it. You know, just because games have game five sectors, you just don't have to play those games. So, so the, the group of people that are pushing back on this whole narrative, I want, I want to say loosely are extremists in, in the gaming sectors that are largely rejecting the narrative of NFTs because of the, in their words, unhealthy competition and unhealthy sort of gameplay that it brings to the space. Yeah, and that's actually quite an interesting case study, when you, when, especially when I think about myself, uh, because, you know, I, I guess the, this whole Web3 GameFi thing is, and when, you, when you're actually instilling value within the game and making that transferable outward from the game, you're, you're, access, you're giving access to the long tail of people. If, if I think for, of someone like myself, I do enjoy gaming. I'm not a hardcore gamer, but... You know, when I when I have when I have gamed in the done gaming in the past, or you know played video games, my experience doesn't last longer, or like the value I get doesn't last longer, or or you know past when I finish playing the video game. 
Now, with Axie Infinity and Sandbox and, and Decentraland, these platforms are allowing people to transfer value throughout their entire lives by, like we saw in the Philippines, people earning money through COVID and actually like, you know, allowing them to put food on the table because of their because of their opportunity they had with Axie Infinity. So it's quite it's quite interesting. And I and I think Discord it it makes me think that they would be they would be foolish almost to leave that amount of economic value, especially if they become the on ramp into Web three straight from their platform. Um, it's very very interesting. But I, it'll I mean it'll be it'll be an easy it'll be an easy transition for them as well. I mean it, almost every single NFT project. I mean for me building my own NFT project, I'm I've interacted with a lot of teams. You know, like every single NFT project has Discord communities. Most cryptocurrency projects, especially DeFi protocols on the newer layer one blockchains like Solana and Dots and all these ecosystems, they've all got Discord communities. So I believe that it would be in the best interest of Discord as a company to integrate some form of Web3 into like bridge, at least. And again, it, it, it boils down to maybe how they handle it on a, from a PR perspective so they don't use or lose Discord Nitro subscriptions. Um, you know, but but again, at the end of the day, just because something gets integrated doesn't necessarily mean you have to use it. Um, and I think you know it would it would boil down to what our guy in Tradfi said. It'll it'll basically boil down to the minority numbers. How many people were actually giving backlash, or was it just a few people, you know, creating a lot of noise? I, I mean, I heard estimates of like thousands of Twitter users complaining, but then you've got Discord having what 150 million monthly active users. Um, so that really does put it into context. Yeah. Yep. 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 Exactly. And I mean, it's also a good segue then in, as we move into uh, our bigger topic. Unfortunately, we are constrained by by time, and and it is a good segue into our next sort of billboard topic for the evening about um, Ethereum name services ENS that did their their hotly awaited airdrop of their tokens and launched their governance tokens into the market last week monday and i mean this this is almost contrast to to discord you know a web2 company having growing pains and and sort of struggles in getting into web3 but now you have ens which is a protocol that has been born out of web3 and and is proven at least from my perspective to possibly be the first real actual use case of web3 and and almost it, it's you know as as the the founders and the developers of ens call it and they have built and i'll ask uh, i'll ask i'll ask uh, my guy in tradfi to explain exactly what the ens project is but just as a primer um if i go on coin market cap currently the gov- the governance token which is being traded on the market is currently tra- trading at about around fifty dollars. When it got launched last week, Monday or Tuesday, it hit a top market cap of eight billion dollars, fully undiluted, which means the the market cap, if all tokens that are to be uh, released were in circulation, which is just a, lit- a ridiculous valuation when you think that this this protocol and this project was built by eight full time people. At least eight people basically created a, 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 a project and a, a token that was worth $8 billion last week at some point. So 
uh, my guy in TradFi, can you explain what ENS is as a as a token and what is it bringing to Web3 and why it's so important? Well, I think to, to understand the Ethereum name service more broadly, I think a tweet from Brantley Milligan is, is informative. And he, he tweets Ethereum and ENS uh, together are your self-sovereign cross-platform account for the internet. I think I think that's quite interesting. I mean, if we look at crypto at the moment, you, you've got this user, usability issue. Um, generally, addresses are hexadecimal. Um, I, I'm sure we've all been there where you, you need to send someone uh, some ETH and you, you're agonizing <laughs> over, over the many digits of this hexadecimal address. I, I, and I mean, that difficulty compounds the deeper you go uh, down the rabbit hole. So, so what Ethereum name service basically does is it, it allows you to map a hexadecimal ETH address um, to a name. So, for example, I could have the, the ENS um, name of uh, Luca.eth. And then if Jonty wanted to send me Ethereum, he could just use that. Um, I, I mean, we're, we're approaching the sort of um, ease there of, you know, mobile payments, for example. We, you, you're sending $50 to, to a phone number in, in your record, right? It's kind of, you, you, can, you can keep it in your uh, kind of active memory. Why, why is this important? Why is this important? Well, blockchain is immutable. Um, so, and, and these complex systems are prone to uh, increase user error rates. And I mean, we, we've, well, I don't know if you guys have been there, but I, I've definitely made a mistake with the transfer before. Uh, and there's no way of undoing that. You know, if you transfer funds uh, to the wrong person uh, in, in your banking app, right, like you can, you can reverse that. Uh, blockchain is immutable. So if you send all your funds into a black hole, they're gone. Um, so I I Ethereum name service effectively uh, makes everything more user-friendly which I think is, is one of the main reasons why there's been so much hype. But I mean, what, what is it in, in general? I mean, crypto Twitter refers to it as a public good. I think that's in the sense that it's permissionless and decentralized, and decentralized in the sense that it's community governed. It's also a DAO now, <laughs> which, which, which is quite an interesting and move. A, a DAO with a $500 million war chest. But so. <laughs> exactly, and that was the next. That was the next question I was going to go on to. Obviously, it's uh, it's a project that's now you know governed by the community. When they made the switch, uh, when they actually released their token into the market last last week, they made the switch from the being being a protocol of Ethereum to a DAO. And uh, Galactic Q, could you just for the audience explain what a DAO is and how it works in the context of ENS? Yeah, um, I think I think Steiner or well, our guy in Tradfile will have a bit more insight into what it means for for ENS exactly. Um, but basically, what a DAO is, it's a decentralized autonomous organization. Um, so ba basically, you can view this as you know almost like an organization of members. Everyone has a say in a community governed protocol. Um, yeah, it's 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 quite a cool concept, you know, native to to cryptocurrency. Um, but yeah, I think I think our guy in TradFi will have more insight into exactly how ENS is, is setting this up. 
Yeah, well, well, it's it's they've, they've got a namespace now. So I mean, ENS is ENS is all about these names, um, and and these names are basically a bunch of contracts. Um, and this DAO is going to decide on factors as diverse as the cost of renewal. So there's a there's an actual cost uh, attached to reserving a name. Um, and if so, they have a delegated system. If if this token was released to the community, but of course it's unreasonable to expect millions of people to to participate on a regular basis uh, to vote on on abstract uh, governance proposals. Um, so you you have a delegated system where you can effectively delegate your votes represented as your as the number of tokens you hold, um, and you know, one of the decisions that I will have to make is to, to what extent all these delegators are enumerated. I mean, what, one of the funny things, <laughs> I saw this on Twitter today, Oracle, uh, if I'm not mistaken, is uh, has applied or, or is, a, is a delegate? Opera. Opera. Op Opera. Op Opera. Yeah. Uh, and Coinbase uh, is a delegate and will be participating uh, in voting on this DAO. So, I mean, that's, that's a, a listed U.S. company. Um that is going to be participating in the style. I think that goes to show uh, where we are in the times. I mean, that's that's probably one of the biggest the biggest votes of confidence yeah, is having Coinbase become a delegator of your protocol. I mean, of your DAO. That's that's insane. No, it, it's huge. I think it's massive, and and I think I the first thought that came to me when I saw that was like, wow, you know, Web three and this whole crypto environment and landscape is really turning into into the great equalizer between the institutions and and normal retail investors and normal people really and obviously you know coinbase is more forward thinking you know brian armstrong at the whole home really does embody the whole you know mindset and all the virtues that that the cryptocurrency industry is but he it's funny that you have coinbase and if if you haven't if if people in the audience haven't seen, I would really recommend go reading Coinbase's basically application to become a delegate to the DAO. It was like it was almost like reading, uh, you know, the the top top student in my in my maths class, like applying for a job. It was like it was quite quite funny and quite surreal seeing that this is Coinbase. Like they're a huge, you know, multi billion dollar company. Why can they not just walk into this and and basically own this thing? No, because it's this. ENS is a is is an organization. It has a constitution. It has rules, and it is community focused. First, just because you're Coinbase, it doesn't mean you you have veto rights or you know you're more important than anyone else on the street. Um, and and I guess also just to then tie sort of tie a thread through what Q and uh, TradFi guy were were saying there. Um, basically, the, the the when it clicked for me was that you can draw a direct parallel for what ENS is and what it brings to web three in this new stage of the internet as something like DNS. DNS is domain name service. And obviously, you know, if you want to create a website, you have to register uh, .com, .org, .net, .io, whatever it is with your name. And that stops you from having to type in a long string of numbers and characters being an IP address to find a website, which is like in the 90s what you used to have to do. And this, for me, drew huge parallels to how it is now, what what uh, TradFi guy was saying, where you have to, where, when I just want to send him, 
you know, or maybe I'm doing a big transfer of, of ETH to him, like a thousand dollars plus, and I'm, you know, reading over this wallet address four, five, six times because I don't want to get it wrong. This now just allows me to go, you know, Luca.eth straight to him and that's it. And then obviously that is your central hub or place in Web3. And I I actually registered my uh, my ENS name this morning uh, or this weekend, sorry. And um, it's quite it's quite amazing just to just to do that and and to claim your spa- claim your your space really on on Web three and th- and that'll be a a place where you will hold you'll be able to hold all your tokens a common address where you can hold all of your assets NFTs everything and, and I mean this is this is literally the nineties happening again but in a new stage of the the internet so that really that really helped me frame things um, and. I just wanted to then go over to Q. Can you touch on the on the airdrop and like what was the sort of you know sig- what is the significance of the airdrop to the community in terms of almost it is like a quid pro quo you know giving out value to the to the community why why is it why is it so important that they did this distribution to the early holders of or the sorry, the early registrants of their ENS domains. Well, you know, with 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 any crypto project, I mean, we can draw parallels to the Uniswap airdrop uh, or the One Inch airdrop or any other Dex that has previously done big airdrops. And you know, the the narrative of this ENS airdrop was obviously derived from, you know, Uniswap kind of set a precedent um, where you know when was it? It was twenty twenty when they when they launched the the UD token. Um, and each user that had used the, the network once was airdropped 400 uni tokens. And I think at all time high, you know, that was well over five figures um, uh, airdrop. And, you know, th- this, this has been a recurring trend. One inch did the airdrop, you know, various other protocols, Curve and, and a bunch of other protocols have all done their airdrops as well, following suit from Uniswap. And I think it's a good way to, to reward early adopters. You know, it's, it's also an indicator that tells us how early we are in the space, you know, that there's these projects that are willing to reward early community members for supporting the protocols, for supporting the DAOs, for supporting, you know, and spreading the word and showing interest in what these these Web3 based platforms are trying to do and how important what they're trying to do is. So, you know, obviously ENS had one hell of an airdrop. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not sure of the exact value of tokens per address that was registered, but it was. It ended up also being about a five-figure payday for most ENS registrants, um, and you know this this airdrop was only so large because you know not a lot of people. I mean, ENS was widely adopted for sure, um, but to the broader crypto community, it was still something that was you know not necessarily highly adopted, um, which which led to a huge reward payout for the people that had actually taken the leap of faith to back it early on. Now that it's on everyone's radar, the, you know, ENS address res- registration is flying. Um, and everyone, you know, for, for me on Twitter, you know, most of the people I follow now are all sitting with .eth addresses as their Twitter profiles, um, where previously it was only a handful of top players that had the .eth addresses. Um, so so this, this airdrop was something amazing. And it's, it's the, the concept of an airdrop is something very important throughout the wider community um, or crypto community at least. Um, it's just a way of rewarding early investors 
who have been there, who support the project, who support the protocol. And it's basically, you know, securing your fundamental user base um, before you start expanding to the wider world. Yeah, and it, and it really highlights the virality of money or, you know, value through something like a token or, you know, because before, like you say, before the airdrop, not a lot of people knew about ENS. It wasn't, you know, uh, at the top of the, the news. And But as soon as they did the airdrop and they, you know, their token, their governance token skyrocketed to, eight, to being worth $8 billion and people got six figures worth of governance tokens in, you know, in their wallets then all of a sudden it's widely known. And I, and I think it goes back to that, that point that money is the biggest network. Money is, is you know, it's bigger than social media. It's, it's bigger than any other, any other medium we use to spread attention and uh, spread value, obviously. Uh, so, I, and I think that that whole, just that whole thing just underpins yeah. the importance of Web3, that early users of the, of the platforms are being rewarded. So if you, if you support a project early on, you will get rewarded for that by by the founders, by the, the core developers and by the organization. And then in the future, you will have a chance to make decisions about where you want it, that project to go. It's not like you just get your reward and they, they it's like they give you a golden handshake and you go on your way. You are actually going to take part in that community and in the formation of the future of that organization, which I think is is really amazing. And it's something we've never, ever seen, ever. Um, I mean, it's it's everything in crypto is community governed. You know, everything in crypto is all about being open, set, open sourced and community driven. You know, communities are the most important thing. Without a community, you're not going to have a user base and ultimately your project will fail. You know, no matter how good the protocol is, no matter how good the project is, you know, if you don't have that community backing you, you're in trouble. You know, and, and some projects take much longer to to build communities. And, you know, every project's got a different strategy at doing this. Um, you know, ENS didn't from the start say that they were going to be doing an airdrop. You know, it was it was a very speculative thing from a lot of early adopters um, that a token would be coming out. Um, it was only in recent time that, that that the rumor of the ENS airdrop was going around, and you know, a lot of people just didn't really take note of it. Um, so, so it is it is something quite important to the larger crypto space that it highlights the beauty of Web three that it's not just about the platforms you know, using your, your personal data, like in web two, it's more, we're here together. We had to make this a success together and we here to reward one another. Um, and it just, it just creates a healthy, healthy user base, um, which is so incredible to witness with web three. And I mean, no one was complaining about their five figure airdrop the other day. So <laughs> well, maybe one other point, I mean, obviously like these traditional web two companies are also leaning into crypto, uh, more. I mean, I, I feel like there will be a bit of a race in, in the near future. Kind of w what will happen, right? Can can Twitter retain all its users um, by including a few Web three functions, or or will Web three win in the sense that it'll have a critical mass of of people using these kind of self sovereign identities, and Twitter will be forced to integrate them, and effectively Twitter becomes one building block in in a composable Web three. Right, because I mean, that's one of the key things with this uh, Ethereum name service system is that you've got this transferable social, you've got your transferable social credentials, effectively. You, you use your same ENS across DeFi, across GameFi. Uh, I, I think that's the promise and the dream.
and then also i mean your your web3 identity is starting to take uh sort of take form where you you know you have your crypto punk nft or your crypto or Absolutely. your uh, crypto kitty with your eth with your dot eth name and and that and then that's that can become your almost pseudonymous uh web3 identity and that's who, who your, people know of you in the metaverse that's that's who you'll be known as. yeah it's your metaverse identity in one in one line um it's pretty amazing i mean just the comparison to dns versus ens like you know everything is in one um you know what ens are doing with the whole push just highlighting the benefits of of web3 and how much better general systems could be with the integration of portions or the full shift to to web3 one of the the funnier things i thought um i mean the founders came on to to another podcast bankless and they were um speaking about how the, the intention is not actually that everyone has a dot eth name because it's a bit like everyone having a dot com address <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think i think the idea is this sort of that da- downstream uh, you'll have kind of second order addresses effectively but I, but i thought that was very funny i mean imagine a world where everyone has a dot com address which is your social credential <laughs> with uh, your your login yeah it's it's definitely a weird it's definitely going to be a weird and different world we're moving towards no one really knows i don't think how things are going to play out and just to sort of close out this topic we're all getting very excited and we could probably chat about this for another hour uh, but unfortunately we are constrained by by time uh just to round that out i mean it really just shows the first fundamental use case for web3 and the first sort of web3 public good that's been put out into the world successfully pretty much i mean after a week um that has severe community buy in and and heavy community buy in um and i i don't know what what's next to come but i think there's definitely more to come in terms of sort of native web3 functionality that people are actually going to use and not just some speculative meme coin that it's created based on a on a dog um so i think there's lots more there's probably a lot more of these sorts of things to come and we will be covering them on the web3 show but just to move through um to our final segment of the week which is our weekly meme and just a reminder to anyone in the audience who does want to ask or come up on stage or ask a question uh, to the wannabe wizards uh please click the phone call icon we'll be taking any questions right after the meme section if you are keen no worries if you're not um but yeah so you you had a few memes up your sleeve what it, what was this inflation this inflation meme you have to share please well 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 the inflation <laughs> meme comes in two parts firstly there was a viral tweet uh, made by Mateus daughter on twitter um and his tweet went the sec first rejected a bitcoin etf in 2013 they successfully protected all american investors from 12700% gains So now now to add on to that <laughs> to add so on good. to that you know they not only protected their investors from that gain they also gave their investors a 31 year high in in fucking inflation in October <laughs> so that 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 is the SEC and 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 you know the meme of the century i would say <laughs> Oh for sure for sure for sure um i've also got a good one uh we are all us three are all uh, fanboys of uh, the all in podcast um obviously david sacks brought us all here together by creating callin 
but also there was there was something funny going around on the internet where I think a couple of episodes ago some Twitter genius clipped completely out of context uh, an exchange between Chamath and David Sachs talking about their Solana investments. I mean, if you watch the whole episode in full, you can blatantly see they were just having a few jokes between them, but basically clipped this clipped this uh, video part of the podcast episode, put it on Twitter and said, oh, look, another pump and dump scheme happening. Uh, or like, what was it? A bunch of billionaires planning to pump and dump Solana. And basically in the, in the in the in the past week they then came out again on on the all in podcast in the most recent one and they basically addressed this and basically had to address uh, you know the Twitter geniuses for for you know basically ganging up on them and I thought that was just hilarious how and the state of I mean the state of crypto at the moment in some pockets where people are like we'll we'll take any opportunity to sort of dunk on other people or, or take things out of context and just create almost like mob them, but to also to show their own bag. Because then in the Twitter comments, I was looking, you see a bunch of Cardano holders yeah. being like, "Oh yeah, the Solana's <laughs> broken. This is why we're no, going to get dumped by. Yeah. We're going to get dumped by billionaires. So that's why Cardano. We need to back the coin." Uh, well, at least there. you know, I, guys, I guys, share such big believers. Yeah, Shams Cardano needs to at least win something. Let's be honest. I mean, <laughs> g- give them a chance. Give them a chance. Tradfire guy, what were you saying? What were you saying there? No, it's, I, mean, I mean, saying that they're such believers in crypto and Web three, and they're all post economics. So it's like to make the argument that they're they're, they're pumping and dumping uh, a, a coin with with billions in in market liquidity is, I mean, yeah. It's senseless. And the reality is also when, when you deep digger, the reality is is that Sachs is almost like removed by one uh, from Solana because he he was an early investor in Multicoin Capital who were early investors in Solana. So Multicoin yes, Capital, yeah. the venture fund, has to then distribute out to Sachs in Craft, and then Sachs has to then decide. Okay, I have to also distribute to my LPs. So you can't you physically can't just dump the whole market. And I think, like, you know, they would have the, these markets are so deep that you would have to have quite a sizable amount of Solana um, to properly move the markets. And I don't think they would anyway. That's not their motive. Um, they are, you know, they're they are long Solana, and they are, you know, they they don't plan on selling anytime soon. If you, especially if you watch th- their full argument and and you know watch their whole thesis uh, on it, which they put on the podcast, it's just yeah, it's just quite funny. Um, well, I mean, just just to, just to add to that, I mean, Solana is one of the most highly adopted currencies across all VC and hedge funds. Um, you know, most most of these big institutional investors are actually buying up Solana. Um, some of them over Ethereum are actually buying up Solana. So, I mean, if if they had to decide to dump it, I think there's going to be a lot of buy pressure. So, <laughs> either way, yeah, either sure, way, both, sure. the the institutions are long, and and that's what matters. For sure, and Tradfire, have you got any uh, got any memes up your sleeve? None, none from mine. Anything? <laughs> okay, cool. Well, <laughs> look, that that uh, already brings us to the end of an amazing uh, second episode of the Web Three Show. We'll be back next week, like clockwork, every Monday, coming at you with the biggest stories in crypto, Web Three, NFTs. Um, just uh, a quick ask from us to the audience. 
Um, if you're on call-in, if you're native to call-in, please share the show outwards and get people to infest the live room next week, Monday. Um, and also, it's quite a cool, there's quite a cool functionality that you can create highlights around a segment that, uh, uh, you know, you enjoyed from the show, maybe TradFi guy going on a on an absolute rant about ENS and the the philosophical aspects about Web3, clip that, put it on a highlight, and it just spreads the word about the podcast. Also, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple, leave us a quick review, share it with your friends and family and people on the street, uh, get the word out. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it from us. Uh, we will see you next week. Thanks so much, everyone.